Hello and welcome back to the Smoke Show podcast. This podcast is all about confidence and perception, how you perceive yourself, how other people perceive you, and how you think other people perceive you, and how that changes and informs the decisions we make as we move through our daily lives. I'm your host, Joelle. And I'm Paula. And today is a much more laid back episode. just the two of us. We normally bring a lot of guests on here, interrogate them about their (laughs) sense of identity and confidence, but there, I feel like there are certain topics that are kind of better suited for just us two, since we can guide the conversation in a much more specific way. Yeah. Today we want to talk about attachment styles. My favorite topic. Yeah. This is something we talk about a lot, just as friends in our friend group with our roommates Mm -hmm. all the time. With random dinner guests. Honestly, yeah. We had friends over for brunch. They didn't know their attachment styles. We made them take the test at at At, the table. Um, But it's always very fascinating. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, But just to to get us warmed up uh, and in in the zone, Paula, how are you feeling today? Tell me about what's going on in Paula's world. I feel like since we last recorded an episode with Just Two, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. You catch up our friends. (laughs) <laughs> wow, what has changed? Um, so I still work at Twitter, so that's kind of the same. <laughs> but but I mean more people have gotten fired. I went on medical leave. Um I was gonna say that medical leave is probably the biggest change. Yeah, medical leave is the biggest change, and even that's drawing to a close. It really has been yeah a whirlwind. But to give context on Paula's medical leave, it's been four months yeah. of not being in the office every day. Not being in the office every day, just taking some time to really heal. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of a big lifestyle change, I feel like. Yeah. Like, that's a very unusual, uh, but also, like, very lovely time to give yourself, yeah. I feel like. It's very fortunate in that I was able to get the time, just mm-hmm. because getting to take three or four months off in the middle of your adult life is not something that happens for most people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know, it was just a nice, like, focus on myself. Yeah. Go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. do my thing she's been working on hard on the podcast getting these out i uh, this is also our first episode with just us two that we've recorded since actually publishing the podcast i know so we need to just give ourselves a little pat on the back for actually getting us getting this out there Around because the this has been like truly years in the making and we yeah. were recording episodes for months and months and months before actually publishing so if any of you all are listening Thank you. Thanks for listening. And please comment and let us know what you want to see from this podcast and how we can be better because we love feedback. Yeah. Honestly, I'm very proud of us. I feel like this is one of those things where we could have talked about for years and never done. So true. And I feel like it's like really just encouraged me to just start doing things. I don't know. Yeah. Might do a stand-up set. I, we've (laughs) been wanting, we've been, (laughs) (laughs) who knows, go crazy. Not the DJ set. No, but we've been wanting Paula to do stand up for a really long time because I feel like you have a lot of good stories to tell. I, if I had lived in New York a little bit longer, I definitely would have done a stand up set. You're in LA. There's so much stand up here. (sighs) LA creatives are different than New York creatives. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. I feel like every time I'm in a creative space in LA, I'm like, I need to leave. Oh my gosh. Like these people. Uh, it's not for me it's not for me yeah it's it's a very different culture and yeah. it attracts a lot of specific personalities i feel like mm-hmm. which is interesting yeah i think it people use it as more of an identity in la whereas mm-hmm. in new york i feel like it was just normal people who happen to be comedians. right it's like a thing that they do yeah who happen to be a writer not mm-hmm. oh like 
uh, like this creative thing is central to my identity. So everything is a chance to do a bit. <laughs> Everybody yeah. needs to know yeah. that I do this thing. It's like I need them to know I'm an actor. How will they know that I'm an actor? Right. I, I must yeah. be some type of way about it. Yeah, that's um, a lot. Which is very funny. Um, yeah. Otherwise, other updates in, in our world. Oh, I, they uh, huge, huge, huge news. Uh, <laughs> I signed with a talent management company, which is really fascinating. Yay. That is a big update since our last uh, Just Us episode. Yeah. So straight to the top. I suppose we we are we really are on our influencer grind. Mm -hmm. They, my manager did say he considered podcasting, and I was like, in fact. I just released a podcast with my friend, but <laughs> I had to tell her, like, please don't listen to it. It's truly like zero dollar budget besides these Amazon microphones and little tripods. Um, and we just ask invasive questions, but it's been a lot of fun. So yeah. if you want to support my content creation journey, support this podcast <laughs> by subscribing and commenting. Honestly, yeah. Leave us a review or something. I don't know. Uh -huh. Leave us a review. Five stars only, please. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you have negative things to say, just say it to our face. Yeah. You don't need let to put that online. Directly. DM the podcast on Instagram and let us know. Make a comment on Instagram. Don't leave a review. Exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, uh, okay. Well, now that we've gotten our, our little updates out of the way to catch you all up on what we're what we do outside of these little uh, weekly recording sessions, um, let's get into attachment styles, which is something that I feel like a lot of a lot of young adults are familiar with. But for those who aren't familiar, Paula, do you want to lay out for the audience what is an attachment style and yeah. what are the three versions? So in the 1970s or 1980s, a group of psychologists came together and ran an experiment with babies. And they put the babies in the same scenario. And they found that the first group of babies, so the, or the scenario was they had a child in a room. They made their caregiver leave the room. Um, and then eventually come back and then they monitored the child's response and they found that they generally fell into three categories. So the first category of babies were those who cried when their caregiver left. And then when their caregiver came back, they allowed themselves to be soothed by the caregiver and stop crying. Those people are known as securely attached. The next group of babies, when their caregiver left the room, they would cry. And when the caregiver came back, they continued to cry and they weren't really effectively soothed. Those people fall into an anxious attachment style. And then the final group were babies who, when their caregiver left, they didn't cry, they didn't really have a reaction, and they also didn't really react when the caregiver came by. And the interesting thing about those babies were, even though they didn't show any outward signs of distress, internally they still had, um, like based on like heart rate monitoring and all of that stuff, they still had the same levels of distress as every other baby in the experiment. And those people are avoidantly attached. There's also an anxious avoidant attachment, but I don't know too much about that one. So we'll, uh, <laughs> that's a combination of anxious and avoidant, like the name mm -hmm. states, but mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And we talk about this a lot as a group of friends, just because as with the babies, that characteristic of anxious or avoidant or secure in your relationships obviously continues mm -hmm. into adulthood uh it manifests in very different ways particularly in dating but also honestly in friendships, in friendships and that sort of too. thing too yeah um 
So it's very fascinating. And we there's a quiz online you can take. Actually, you can read books and just kind of figure out based off of your knowing your own tendencies what attachment style you have. Mm-hmm. But we each took the quiz. Attachmentproject.com, not sponsored. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. <laughs> uh, and Paula, what was your attachment style? I am avoidantly attached. I am deeply avoidant. <laughs> Wait, why do you say deeply avoidant? Um, because it's deep. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I, give yeah. us give us an example. Like how how does that manifest? How does that manifest? Um, not being in a relationship when people, it's also like when they say avoidant, a big part of it is like conflict avoidance. Mm. Um, so not really rocking the boat too much until you can't take it anymore. And then just bolt bolting. Mm. Um, what, what types of things make you bolt? Um, I mean, I think it's different. I think it's, um, a lot of, honestly, a lot of it is like, if I feel like I've been hurt in some way by the person in a way that feels intentional, Mm -hmm. then it's more of like, that's when I start to withdraw. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if necessarily bolting is the right word, but like withdrawing because as an avoidant attachment, like you learn that you are like you yourself are your only self, like safe space. Mm -hmm. So you find the most solace just kind of being alone and like you rely on yourself to like self-soothe and like heal mm-hmm. um you're your own point of safety and you don't really allow yourself to rely on other people mm-hmm. hyper independence is like a big characteristic mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. um so yeah just any sort of perceived injury i'm like all right you know i'm gonna take a, yeah. take a little step back that makes sense do you find that when other people are the opposite not necessarily hurting you but like giving you a little too much attention or like smothering you in some way, then that causes you to retreat? Or do you not mind that as much as like, like I feel like you joke about liking being love bombed. So that's why I'm like, how does that work with an, with an avoiding attachment I love attention. Don't we all like to be love bombed? Isn't it like, nice to meet someone that loves you the way I, you deserve to be loved? Uh, love bombing to me, when I hear that though, it sounds like stifling. Like, and it sounds scary where i'm like you shouldn't like me that much yet like 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 why do you like me that much for context i'm also avoidant avoidant but i have after being in a very long-term secure relationship i've veered towards secure so like when i take the quiz now i'm secure but i think i'm like secure with avoidant tendencies Mm -hmm. i guess but yeah, when I like the idea of love bombing, I'm just like, you don't know me that well. So like I get freaked out because I'm like, yeah. you're just going to learn more about me and realize that you wasted all that time and money. But I mean, yeah, I think, but enjoy it. I think that the difference <laughs> is like I can enjoy it while I'm getting Okay, okay. You're like, I know this is short term. I can yeah, enjoy the love bombing. Yeah, it's like more fun because I know like, oh, like I, this is active. Like you're crazy for doing this. Oh my I'm just going to enjoy this while it lasts. Um, but what you were asking before about how like that, those sound like two conflicting things. Mm-hmm. It's because in that phase where you're getting to know someone, you're not actually being seen. This is like new. Oh. It's fun. There isn't a huge emotional investment, mm-hmm. but the second it like reaches a threshold of like, oh, like this person is now threatening my independence because they're always mm-hmm. there. Like you eventually just kind of always reach that threshold of like, ooh. That's where, like, the ick comes in, I feel like. I don't believe in the ick, and I think we all need to grow up and stop making dating toxic. I feel like you caught the ick for a particular Okay, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And you know what? 
after you get dragged halfway across the world and gaslit, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that will. That do- I feel like it. I agree where people overly ick things. Yeah, but that was a very legitimate ick of but being. I don't even necessarily know if that was an ick. I think we all knew that there was something wrong with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we were all waiting for the other shoe to drop, and then it dropped, and I was like, "Yeah, leave." Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. The avoidant attachment came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny because like you can have a certain attachment style and at the start of a relationship, it doesn't really necessarily come out quite yet. Also, our neighbors just running it, across. It literally sounds like that Bojack Horseman episode when like the tap dancer is a- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So sorry to all the listeners, but we have upstairs neighbors with a family and we're not going to yeah. tell them to stop walking. So yeah, there's that. The kids have fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how like... In the onset of a relationship, I think particularly for avoidant people, it can always start out okay because you have not yet reached that point where you're feeling either like unsafe or smothered or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it comes out later. But I feel like it's also really important to note that avoidant people, such as ourselves, don't not want depth of a relationship. Humans just crave intimacy regardless, Mm -hmm. but are like you know, toxic traits, if you will, almost prevent us from experiencing that. Um, So it's a really interesting search for love and intimacy when you are also afraid of what that love and intimacy might bring with the hurt that is often attached to it. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like I see a lot on TikTok, of course, people really demonizing avoidant attachments and being like, they're all sociopaths. (laughs) And I think that people forget like this, like attachment style stems from like a child that was hurt Mm -hmm. by their parents, the same way an um, an anxious person is. And a lot of the times where like their withdrawing behavior might be hurtful to that person, especially if you're anxious, this is like that child doing what they know how to do to survive. And if you like continually like do things that are in opposition to their needs because you're doing what you need, you're still hurting them in a similar way to what they're hurting to like how you are being hurt. And I feel like that's a part of the conversation that's missing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing also that I find fascinating about attachment styles is that they change over time. I think sometimes we get really comfortable in our identities as, oh, I'm anxious or, oh, I'm avoidant. But mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is always movement towards secure. Right. So at the end of the day, like we are malleable and we are we are plastic, if you will, like the brain. <laughs> it grows and evolves depending on the situations we're in and like what we learn about the environment we're in. So even though I know that I was definitely avoidant in high school and then later in college, I would now categorize myself as secure thanks Mm -hmm. to having a very lovely secure boyfriend, I guess, who I've not talked about a lot on the podcast. I think we've mentioned that I'm in a long-term, long-distance relationship, but we started dating in college and truly... There were there were three to four different instances where I was truly expecting this man to end it with me because I feel like that's mm-hmm. what I learned and taught myself growing up that just men leave and they don't care mm-hmm. about you. <laughs> that sounds a little depressing when I say that loud. But like always expected there to be a, a time where I was no longer interesting to them. And so I expected that to protect myself emotionally from getting too invested. Yeah. Um, so that 
when it finally happened, I wouldn't be like shocked or anything. I'd be like, oh, this is just how it goes. Yeah. And I think he was confused. He was like, why do you keep expecting this to end? Mm-hmm. It's not like anything's going wrong or anything. I'm like, well, I just thought that, that was like your nature. You know, I thought yeah. that was just like how these things went. Where do you think that that belief stemmed from? Honestly, probably like my parents and like the media and like watching Les Mis as a child. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and then also I think growing up as a Christian in a very like non-Christian environment and being celibate, mm. that plays a really big role into it where I just was interested in boys or like dated boys casually in high school. And the fact that I wouldn't have sex with them was like a very, very big deal breaker. And they always started out being like, no, it's totally fine. I respect your boundaries. I respect your values. And they themselves did not share that belief. So then after a certain point, it just got, it got boring. Like for, like for high school boys, sex is like the end all be all. Like that's yeah. like that's basically what defines a relationship. They don't really know how to have a meaningful relationship outside of that because they're not thinking very far ahead. Mm-hmm. So those being like the few pivotal, you know, examples of relationships I had growing up, I just kind of expected it to be the same okay. in college. Cause I mean, in college too, people are here for like a good time, not a long time normally. Yeah. So I was shocked. When my boyfriend was like, oh, I actually like you. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> that is so bizarre. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here we are. Okay. How do you feel or like, I guess to like make this like a learning thing. How do you feel like what are like examples or like instances where Sean has just been a positive force to helping you overcome your avoidant attachment? Mm. There's actually a handful of instances that I feel like really blew my mind and gave me a lot more confidence in men and in relationships. The first was right after we started dating, I went abroad for three months. Um, Barcelona, baby. Barcelona. That's where Paula and I, the the start of our blooming friendship. Yeah. Um, But going long distance right after starting a new relationship in college is kind of the worst. Three months feels like forever when you're that age. So... I expected him to get tired of long distance and dump me because we also didn't have very much history together. So it wasn't like it would have been that big of a deal for him. Um, Instead, though, we got so close because we could only speak. Like the only way we spent time together was talking and like honestly Skyping and doing homework together, which is like so funny that we used to do that. (laughs) Ha ha, cute. And rather than growing in resentment that I would be like, oh, I can't talk then. I'm like going out with my friends or like we're going to a show, going to a museum. He was just like, he was so supportive of everything I was doing. He was like, I want you to have the fullest experience possible while you're there. Please like spend all the time possible with your friends. Go out every night, like do all of these things that you won't have the chance to later. I want you to be present with where you are now rather than trying to spend time with me on a laptop. And I was so shocked like that someone would feel that selflessly and that they would care about my experience rather than what I could do for them. And I think that's where a lot of my personal avoidance came from was that people only want me around so long as I can provide something for them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, every instance after that where I thought he'd break up with me or where I was like, even in instances where I got cold feet and was like, we've been together for a long time, right after I graduated college, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want for myself because it's starting to feel like forever is going to be a very long time and we're kind of going in that direction. And he was so patient and just like, take the time you need. Like, I obviously want to stay with you and like, I really care about you and love you, Mm -hmm. but, you know, figure yourself out basically and not resenting me for it. Like he didn't hold it against me. He'll joke to me about it now how like I almost dumped him and I feel really bad about that. But like- (laughs) 
he like there's no resentment and yeah. i think that's really telling um so there's so many little things of just being incredibly supportive throughout the various phases of life um and responding really well to feedback mm. that's another thing that is always to me like one of the biggest tells with a man like anyone that my friends start dating i'm like if they piss you off and you have an argument of some sort like how do they respond when you in a loving and like patient way explain why you were upset are yeah. they receptive to that or are they defensive and i feel like every time sean like every now and then he obviously will want to make a case for himself but at the end of the day it's like okay if this is really important to you and if i hurt you in some way i don't want to do that yeah so i'm gonna adjust and like mm -hmm. find ways around it and then it makes obviously likewise it makes me want to do that for him as well yeah he's um, willing to change willing yeah to adjust wants to compromise wants to be accommodating yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not like you want to step all over someone's personality and like change them as a person but in a relationship you do have to compromise and be malleable to like meet the needs of someone else in a healthy way yeah um and i think that's really hard to find yeah. but that totally changed how i felt about men in general because mm. you know i i just i was very discouraged i think yeah up. yeah i honestly feel like sean gives me hope i always feel like <laughs> i don't know i feel like i see a lot of people around me settling mm. and then i look at you and sean and i'm like okay <laughs> wait, wait settling in terms of like just dating bad men because mm. they feel like they need to have a man being in a relationship that I feel like isn't actually aligned with who they are or their values, but like anything to have a man. Mm, interesting. Or maybe just being with a man who like doesn't treat them the best, but like looks good on paper. Mm. So I'll take it. Mm. I wonder, I feel like I see a lot of that with friends in particular who are anxious. Not to call out anxious people without having an anxious representative in the room, but I yeah. definitely feel like that's kind of a, a trend I've seen with my friends that are more anxious that it's harder to say no to someone who like shows you uh, some examples or like a shred of love or affection because you don't necessarily feel like you can do better yeah. or you're just like afraid of losing it. And you love those few moments where they are showing love and making you feel loved to the point where you allow it to compensate for all the times that they're not mm -hmm. and all the ways that they fall short, which yeah. is tough to see. Yeah. And this isn't to say that like anyone is perfect because no one will ever be perfect Truly. there's gonna be you have to adjust to everyone but like i feel like there's basic tenets of respect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that i see violated a lot in mm -hmm. relationships but not yours no oh, thanks paula we're trying we're working <laughs> on it i hope sean's okay with me talking about you know he i know he's okay because he's we've done literally like dating q and a's on youtube which okay. is hilarious but yes oh my gosh <laughs> yeah those are still out there from like the early days um but paula i'm curious for you when mm -hmm. navigating the dating scene of la and also yeah. knowing what your attachment style is what do you do to help yourself not get in the way of a happy relationship like what are things that you notice given that you are avoidant that you're like okay that's a tendency i notice about myself i want to actively make sure that i'm not you know shooting yourself in the foot when you do perhaps find someone that would be good for you that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> and one I should be thinking about more critically. Um, I think one thing I always do is on a first date is I do ask them their attachment style. Mm. And if it's not Ooh. one that I think, I feel like I could date an avoidant person. I know I can't date an anxious person. Okay. So that's something that I'm very leery of. Okay. Um, How often do you feel like people know their attachment styles right when you ask them? A shocking amount. 
Wow. Yeah. I feel like, especially if it's like a guy who's been in a long-term relationship, mm-hmm. I feel like they generally know. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. They've yeah. gathered the data. Yeah. And it's also interesting because I feel like most, well, not, I won't say most. I feel there actually was a study on this where they found like once you're dating post 30, a majority of the people who remain on the dating apps have avoidant attachments. Oh. Yeah. Which when you think about what that means, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like when I'm on dates with men, I feel like I run into a avoidant attachments a lot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what happens is like it just never really gets off the ground. None of us are willing to be. <laughs> no one wants to like reach out. They're no like, one looking to text me first. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm just more. I think I make more of an effort to put myself out there, I knowing see. more so than would make me comfortable. Um, so, like, more of, like, being able to say, like, I like you mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. knowing that they're in love with me first. <laughs> yeah. a big thing for me. No, that, um, that that is pretty big. It's, like, taking risks because you know what your tendency is. And then also, if you are also with someone who's avoidant, you're, like, I am going to do a little extra work mm-hmm. to avoid, like, the, the perhaps, like, natural tendencies that we have that you're yeah. trying to move past anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, again, path to secure. Yeah. Path to secure. <laughs> Um, also just trying to be more like willing to engage in conflict because mm-hmm. that really is how you preserve relationships yeah so rather than just like if something bothers me sweeping it under the rug like mm-hmm. having the courage to actually bring it up which mm-hmm. doesn't I feel like people think that I'm a confrontational person and I'm really not I feel like I have to like be pushed there right um so like being willing to engage in conflict before it becomes a big deal is another big thing that I'm working on yeah, that's um, a really good one also because I feel like because I feel like people are so afraid of conflict, but if you don't talk about it, then as a as a an avoidant person, you'll just leave. You'll, you'll never leave. know what was on the other side of that tunnel. You'll be like, I no. am out of here. And it's just the end. You'll just never get to see what could have been a really good opportunity for that other person to step up to the plate. Yeah. And to show what they're made of. Yeah. Or even just like not addressing things just cause you causes you to build internal resentment mm-hmm. that the other person has no idea about. And True. it's like we could have just had a conversation and not yeah. have come to this point at all. You have this whole like internal narrative that yeah, they're like, like what? you're sitting there seething and they like <laughs> it's just Tuesday for them. Um so yeah, working on conflict. Yeah, no, that's so good. Do you feel like those types of tendencies uh, show up in your friendships as well as relationships? Um, I definitely do. Um, usually not in big ways, but I feel like if there's ever been like, okay, actually, let me backtrack. <laughs> I think when I'm friends with people who have anxious attachments, I'm like very like, <laughs> I play, like I'm, I'm one I'm one to play it cool like mm-hmm. I like to like see how people are and then I'll engage in the friendship mm-hmm. versus I feel like when people come on too strong it like makes me like mm-hmm. like jump back a little bit that makes sense um and then also definitely the conflict avoidance thing where like things will be like happening in friendships and I rather than and like in my mind I'm like this person should know that this thing that they're doing is wrong mm-hmm. and then I take it personally when I won't say that they didn't know that they were doing anything because they definitely <laughs> did, but it probably should have been a part of a larger conversation. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I feel like the ways that I've most noticed my avoidance in friendships as opposed to relationship, like uh, my personal relationship or mm-hmm. no, my romantic relationship, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. um, is that 
there's a certain level of like emotional closeness. I feel like I decide very early that I will reach with someone mm. and I'm going to be like, you're an inner circle friend. I can tell you all of my greatest like regrets and failures and the things I'm working on. Yeah. Or I'm like, you're a fun friend. Like we can have a good time and I will be, um, I will be as vulnerable as I feel comfortable with to still make you feel like I'm being vulnerable when really this is not actually vulnerable mm. for me. This is not demanding anything of me that's yeah. stretching me in any way. But since you don't know what level of vulnerability I'm comfortable with, like you think that, oh my gosh, Joel sharing this with me, that means we're great friends. Like yeah. that means that like we're besties. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is something that like I'm actively working on. And I was actually, I was literally praying about this the other day. And I know I told you and Micah about it. Um, Mike is my elder sister, uh, that it's, it's rooted in the lie that I believe about myself, that by being vulnerable, I'm burdening other people. And I feel mm. like I have to put people through this litmus test to be like, can you handle me not being entirely perfect or stable? Um, and if I think someone is not entirely perfect or stable, then I'm like, you have enough to deal with on your own with you. You can't handle my difficulties as well. So I'm not going to give that to you because you can't handle it. Yeah. Um, which is just entirely not true. And I feel like that leads to like the avoidant tendency of being like, oh no, like now, like this person is asking more of the vulnerability that I think will like freak them out or that mm -hmm. I think like they just can't. Or even if I just think it's going to be burdensome to them, I don't necessarily want to like go there. Yeah. Um, and that also kind of ties in with being like the middle child, I yeah. think, and being a peacemaker at home and that sort of thing of just being like, if other people have issues, I'm not allowed to have issues. And if I give them my issues, like they're too fragile, like they will yeah. break. And just thinking that like, I'm the strongest one in the relationship when that's not necessarily yeah. true. It's just like a weird thing that I've started to believe about myself. And I feel like that ties very much in with avoidant people of being like, you know, believing that I can only soothe myself. I can't rely on other people yeah. to soothe me or to bring me peace in any way, um, mm -hmm. which is you, not healthy. So do you feel like you have an issue with letting people depend on you or do you feel like it only goes in the one direction? Um, honestly, probably a little bit of both. Like, yeah. I don't mind being there for people, but I also, I think that it kind of goes both ways where like, I don't necessarily want it to depend on people. Um, and in turn, they're not necessarily going to depend on me. Like, I feel like I'm really good at being that friend that's like just close enough, but not their best friend, yeah. you know, versus like with a very select few people, I'm like, okay, yes. Like we're, we're at that point where yeah. it's like. I can be there for you and you can be there for me. I think though, in general, I I don't mind being there for people and I enjoy being able to be there for people, mm -hmm. but I actively don't really like needing other people to be there for me. Yeah. I don't like asking. Yeah. Like you, like we, I'm yeah. from Paula. I hate asking for help. <laughs> yeah. If people will do it on their own, great. But if they ask me if I need help, I'll always say no. Yeah. Um, and it's like ridiculous stuff, like bringing the groceries in from her car. She'll be like, oh no, I got it. And then proceed to make 12 trips. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like working on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that I want to start letting, I want to start, how do I say that? I want to start being able to rely on people more because that mm -hmm. is how you grow in relationship. Um, but it's weird because I almost like don't know exactly where or how to start relying on people. Yeah. I rely on Paula. Paula's picking me up from my surgery on yeah. Thursday. <laughs> but even that, I was like, 
I could ask if I could, if the doctor can like Uber me. Oh my God. Even like like, to drop her off in the morning. She's like, oh, I'm going to Uber. And I was like, I'm literally right here. Um, Thank you again, Paula. My next question was, what is like your litmus test for like, or like Mm. how do you make the determination of who's like a friend, a best friend, an acquaintance? That is also such an interesting question because I think I'm like figuring that out. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to like obviously personality just like compatibility but then also Mm -hmm. values where i don't mind speak okay this is also going to sound so conceited so this is you know inner circle podcast only (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know if it's conceited or like uh, like i don't i don't know how to evaluate this thought process that i have but because i'm christian and have like a spiritual background like i either like really need people who i feel like align with my values like i feel like we very much align on a lot of things even though like from an outward perspective, it looks very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I'm asking people for advice, I don't necessarily want advice from people or I don't want to share vulnerably to let someone speak into my life if I don't really respect the decisions they're making in their own life. And mm-hmm. if I don't think that what they value is like at all comparable to what I value. Yeah. And from a religious standpoint, like that makes a lot of sense where it's like, well, the way that you'd get advice from someone who shares your faith is going to look so different from someone who doesn't. Um, And I think that unfortunately, and I don't think this is necessarily even that unhealthy from like a faith perspective, but in terms of just like finding really deep relationships, a lot of my good friends then are Christian or have like a pretty strong moral code, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the closest friends I have that aren't Christian or religious in any way, we talk a lot about values. We talk a lot about like what's important to you and like you at the end of the day, like what you think is right and wrong. And even if we're different, it's always people that think heavily about that type of thing versus people that are very much like living for themselves, don't really care as much about like the world and like Mm -hmm. their impact on the world, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And I feel like I've, found that there are a lot of people that just don't think about that and I when I meet them I'm like that's awesome we just probably won't be that level of close yeah because I don't want you I don't want your opinion <laughs> like, <laughs> like I yeah. we can share and like casually ask for advice or mm-hmm. second opinions but when it comes to like the direction of my life yeah like, I'm not, you don't want that I'm not necessarily gonna ask you you know yeah. um I don't know uh what about you what are things that you look for in really close friends that like allows you to kind of go to that deeper step with them. Yeah. I think I've learned a lot of this through trial and error Mm -hmm. um, where I think it's like having a similar moral compass or Mm -hmm. worldview. Like I don't like when people behave selfishly and are just kind of reckless with how they treat other people. Something I realize is very important. Um, Also just like, can we laugh together? Do we like actually get along? Right. I also like am not very, I don't like judgmental people. Mm -hmm. I feel like, everyone is on their own journey so who are you to think that you're better for whatever reason mm-hmm. um but yeah I feel like my biggest thing is like just like can I get along with you and all of this ties into that like do I re- also like just respect like I was saying earlier yeah. like do I respect who you are as a human being yeah I think like yeah at the end of the day like who you let into your life in a really intimate way says a lot about you it yeah says a lot about each of us like, it's a super common, like, Christian thing to say where it's, like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Oh, I thought that was some Oprah. <laughs> oh, is it an Oprah thing? I feel like I always hear that at church. Yeah. Maybe Oprah said it first and then Maybe. the church, who knows. But, like, it's, I yeah. think it's very telling 
And I mean, yeah, no, there's also the other quote you're like a direct reflection of the five people you spend the most time mm-hmm. with. And it's like, if you, if you guys, like, what is causing you guys to get along so well that this right. is who you're spending all your time with? So I think that it does matter and it does, it ultimately is reflective of who you are. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all met people who we can't stand. What is the difference there <laughs> that makes you unable to tolerate this person, but then able to tolerate the next person? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as we are all on the path towards secure relationships, I think a lot of that can come out of friendship too. Like having really good friends. You don't need to wait for a significant other to like Mm -hmm. teach you that you're valuable and that you can be secure in your relationships. A lot of that can really come from the people that are around you already and immediately and you know, people that love and respect you and do treat you like you have inherent value and they're not just there to get something out of you too. So makes me very glad that we're friends with one another besties <laughs> yeah, i also think it's funny because i think that we're so different on like yeah. the surface and people mm-hmm. are probably like what, what, what <laughs> yeah. about? people in college were always shocked that we were friends they're like oh you guys are living together now like yeah. that's weird uh-huh. um but it's it's what's deep down yeah. <laughs> that matters at the end of the day i think that building friend groups and uh, a community is something that's so paramount at this stage of life which is young adulthood yeah for us a lot of people moving to new cities finding new communities and that sort of thing so it's fun and really interesting to learn about your attachment style and then also the values that you find most important in friendships because as we're kind of setting the foundation for the rest of our lives i feel like a lot of these friends are the friends that are going to be at your wedding, like mm-hmm. at your baby shower, at like these next like pivotal yeah. moments in your life. Your kids, aunts and uncles. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a good invitation for us to all think a little more critically about who we surround ourselves with and whether they're pulling us in a direction that we actually want to be going in. Yeah. We hope you all enjoyed this very casual episode with just Joelle and Paula. Um, and if you have any thoughts or feedback, we love comments, reviews on Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Instagram at the Smoke Show Pod and on Twitter at Hey Smoke Show. Be sure to follow, comment, subscribe. Let us know everything, everything and anything. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.